So, you know, the, the whole aspect of these ambassadors, they, they come across as brand advocates, right? And I think they lend credence and, and, and a little bit of, you know, honesty to the brand. Um, and they, they give it a little bit of personality and they do things that you just don't have on a shelf, right? With just the product. Welcome to Winning at Work, the podcast for foodies, founders, and food and beverage professionals. You know, if you wanted to discover a new brand, a new food or beverage to try, there are literally thousands of companies out there. It is very difficult to do that. That's why we curate the different, the better, and the special brands here each and every week so you don't have to do the heavy lifting. If you're a founder and you're looking to connect with other like-minded executives, we make that very easy. And if you just work in the food and beverage industry and you're looking for fresh inspiration, we have that here in spades. This episode is sponsored by Temple. Congratulations, you're selling in retail. But the competition is fierce and your brand is surrounded by similar products. How will consumers find you? Let Temple show you an innovative retail sales solution. Click on the Attract Consumers link below. Need to attract great employees? Click on the Hire Now below and we'll show you how to use your culture to help you stand out. Stay tuned for this week's episode. Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. Today, he has agreed to come back. Brian Samino, Chief Revenue Officer, Red Bud Brands. How are you, buddy? Good to see you again. How are you, Tony? It's good Uh, to see you again. It's just, it's really great to have you again. You've moved to um, a really interesting company because Red Brand, as I was doing a little more of a deep dive, they, as you know, focusing on creating, accelerating, and scaling these innovative consumer brands. And it looks like your play in the marketplace is you bring in executives across all these different functional areas. And then you can go and look at companies that you want to invest in, maybe incubate, grow, scale, and you're there for your retail experience. Yes? Absolutely. Um, and they, they do a great job. So it is, they are looking at the better for you space. Um, so in the CPG world, and when you look at the portfolio companies that they've got, that is the, that is the crux of it. it you know, we're looking at, um, you know, cheese crackers that are better for you. We're looking at Chetties. Um, yeah. Chetties. Um, that's one of the, it's one of the high flyers that we have. Um, and, and that's, that's one of the basis of, of where they want to invest their money, um, where we see the best white space in the market. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's worked out well for us. Um, we're seeing some really, really great growth across several of the portfolio companies. Um, a lot of them are still a little early stage pre-rev, but, um, or just on the D2C model. But the ones that aren't are um, seeing some nice growth. Okay. And I do want to get into that here in a minute. But before we transition into really which of the brands are, are growing and the trends that you see in that space, talk to me and talk to the foodies really just about some of your brands that you're really excited about that you think we should be trying and sampling in this new, well, not the new space, but in the, you know, the good for you and in, in kind of that functional category. So, you know, I'll start off with one of our uh, portfolio companies, which was Chetty's that you also mentioned. 
So, you know, a lot of people don't recognize this, but Cheez-Its has been around for over a hundred years. <laughs> like, yeah. A hundred years? Over, over a hundred years. And it was created to, um, to get protein to armed services. Like literally it was a way to get protein to them. So if you think about it, the original Cheez-It was probably heavy laden with cheese and it was baked and it was just a cracker to, to help, you know, help the soldiers get protein when they're out on the front lines and whatnot. So, but over time, you know, as big food has a tendency to do, they kind of minimized those ingredients and, you know, kind of found a way to make it cheaper, faster, etc. So what, what we've done with Chetty's and, and the founders of Chetty's, uh, Francisco and Tomas, is they literally 38% cheddar cheese um, in, in our cracker. Oh, so big percentage. Getting, yes, it's a huge percentage, right? And not only that, but they're using their own um, cheese blend. They get the milk from Alexander Farms, you know, out of NorCal. So you've got like regenerative aspects to the product. You've got higher protein, which means, guess what? Less ingredients, less carbs, because you're more cheese heavy. So that's that's kind of one of those products that when you see it, you're like, wow, that will do well. Um, you know, just because it checks all the boxes that makes consumers go, this is something that that I need to try. And this is something that is good for the earth. It's going to be better for me than the other um the, you know, the alternatives in, in that set. Yeah, that heavily processed. Well, that sample pack you sent me, which had Chetty's, I thought the packaging was very bold on it too. You know, it really stood out. I, mean, I know, obviously, we're not going to get into packaging. That's, you know, we've talked about that stuff before, but it, it really did stand out, I think. And I think it does stand out on shelf. And I'll say really nice, cr very crisp. That's what really stood out yeah. to me is very crisp. I think that's kind of what they're going for with, with that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. A couple other favorites that you might have. One of, one of my favorites right now is, um, and it's not part of our portfolio, but it's called um, Talia. Um, and it's a, it's a pizza that's literally made in Naples, Tony. So they make it in Naples and they ship it over here. It is it, like if you've ever had pizza in Italy, you know the difference between pizza in Italy and pizza in the U.S., right? What do they freeze it? You, I guess they freeze it if, and yeah, send it over. Yeah, but it's it's using tomatoes from Italy, the mozzarella from Italy, the and the, the hand tossed dough. It's 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 definitely worth checking out. Well, you it's know something. For, something. Listen, something for your backyard. Since I know you like to do a lot of stuff outside, uh, whether it be in your you know your your fireplace or whatnot, they have these you know, pizza ovens now that you can buy. There's yeah, boonies. Boonies, yeah. Yes. Are y'all looking at that? That's really not in your category, right? That's kind of, that, that's really not your space. That's no, it's unfortunately, that's not our space, but. Because I'd love I a sample. You could send me a sample of one of those. <laughs> I do. And I want one myself too. So. They look awesome. I know, right? Right. I mean, some of them are, I think um, you can do like wood fire. You got pellets. And there's another one that you just hook up like a propane tank to it. For gas, yep. Yeah, yep. I think that's that's awesome. I mean, that's, to me, food, you know, when it's experiential like that, you, like that's why I like fajitas. 
because I get to make it with my hands. I can mix, makes everyone, make everyone a little different. I kind of get that same vibe with that, uh, with that pizza maker. No, absolutely. Absolutely. On, on the beverage side, I, I do also like, um, there's a brand out there called Perfy. And what, you know, everybody's into drinks that are better for you, you know, with probiotics and things like that. Um, Perfy does something a little bit different. It's got adaptogens and nootropics and fresh fruit. So when you start thinking about a drink for brain health and, and all that other stuff, it really kind of, you know, it's, it's on that next tier level. They're, they're really, really tasty. You're not going to get that kind of, you know, sometimes when you're drinking some of that stuff for your gut health, you're kind of like, wow, I'm just, I'm hoping it's good for me because I'm, I'm suffering through it. Perfy has right, a- Right, because it doesn't a, taste good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So within your portfolio, and I think you just touched on it because you mentioned some were being incubated, maybe more DTC. So when you guys at, at Redbud Brands look at a brand, your play is to get into retail. Absolutely. And, okay. and that's- that's my main job is, um, so I work with the founders. If there's an existing sales team, I work with them to help grow their ACV. And that could be through a number of channels, right? That could be, you know, getting brokers on board, right? The right brokers, um, getting distributors on board if they don't have them, um, kind of running through all the traps and avoiding all the black ice, so to speak, um, of trying to grow something and get it done in a more effective and efficient way because of the experience, right? Um, there, there's thousands of broker groups out there. So, you know, you've got to go through those broker groups to really try to find the ones that have the, you know, the relationships and the connections that are needed to grow brands, you know, in a way that oftentimes, you know, that, that we're, we're, expected to grow, you know, and it's, it's not something that we're not in here for, Hey, let's build this thing for 30 years and all that other stuff. Our growth goal is not a small business where you can just slowly go. I mean, you're, you're here to to scale it. Yeah. All right. Well, you bring up, you bring up a great point because one of my preconceived notions that I had was that you would be there to help them deal with the retail, say grocery buyers, but it sounds like that is uh, too far downstream. You'd rather go after the brokers and let them manage those relationships. So why why focus on brokers? Why not just go directly to retail and just start pitching to those buyers directly? So in a lot of cases, Tony, you know, if you if you look at, let's say you're the category manager for a Publix. So you have you're in charge of the cookie cracker set. You know, that's how it's kind of the category is broken up for crackers. It's cookies and crackers. So on the cookie cracker set, you are going to have, you know, a hundred different companies. And each of those companies is going to have, you know, five to, to 10 lines. Do you, as a category manager, want all of those hundred manufacturers reaching out to you during a review? So what you what, what they prefer is that that broker relationship where the broker can bring to them you know, here's three or four companies, here's two or four, you know, this allows the, the category manager to only focus on so many people. Now, do we sometimes go direct, Tony? Absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes there is an opportunity to go direct without a distributor, 
But for the most part, we're using brokers because brokers know the lay of the land and every retailer is different in their new item paperwork, their new item forms, you name it. So for us, those brokers are that added portion of the sales team that can really, really help us, you know, get through all the red tape to finally get that product on shelf. Because once the buyer says, yes, that's just the start, right? We've got tons of paperwork. We got to figure out how to get it there, all that stuff. And that, that is always good to have a partner that knows the ins and outs. Um, and I've been very lucky, Tony, the brokers that I've used in all the, the previous companies and the current uh, at Redbud Brands, they're, they're great. They, they do a good job. Um, they know, they know the retailers and they know the distributors and it, it really helps. Ballpark me, Brian, what percentage roughly of your gross margin do you lose to brokers or share with your brokers? So it's typically um, anywhere between three and 5%. Okay. All right. So it sounds like for you at this stage and what you're trying to accomplish, particularly going after bigger chains, you're going to go through the broker model. You might go, if you're looking at some of the smaller independents, then you can just go directly to the grocer and the buyer. Now, just for a minute now, there are, there are a lot of food entrepreneurs that may not be ready to go national or regional. They want to start with a couple smaller independent, you know, natural grocery store chains. What advice would you give them when they, you know, in those initial conversations with those grocery buyers, smaller independents? I mean, I think it, it all runs down to, you know, you, you're, you're going to be sitting across from somebody that literally has to change their set to bring your product in. So they're going to have to do work to do it. So you have to convince them and make them understand why your product is, belongs on the shelf and is better from a point of difference or benefit or attribute, why yours is better than the, the stuff they currently have. So it's still a convincing play. Um, you know, it's, it's no different. If you're talking to, like I said earlier, Publix or Hell Stop and Shop or HEB, it doesn't really matter. The end game is why do they, why do you belong on their shelves? And so that's it. Would you recommend the strategy of let's talk about your, your bottom third tier and working to, to replace that out? Is that like the, is that like the obvious kind of go-to spot? It's, it's, it's extremely obvious and it's something that they know as well. Um, I, I do not um, subscribe to the formula where you call out um, other companies or other manufacturers just because I think that's, that's just, you know, it's just not bad. It's bad business. It's not something I wouldn't want somebody to come in and say that about my brand. So we typically kind of keep it clean because they already know. But now that doesn't mean it's assumed. Gonna, it's assumed yeah, that it's, you're going to add lift to the category. Now that's not to say I'm not going to, you know, maybe explain some redundancies that I see in their category. Like, do you really need, you know, five different varieties of barbecue potato chips? I mean, I think you could do with four varieties. Therefore, my, you know, matcha flavored chip or whatever I end up coming up with deserves a spot on that shelf because, honestly you know, consumers don't need five different choices for barbecue. So you can, you can, you can point out stuff like that because then it's just general category cleanup versus, Hey, this barbecue, you know, this barbecue chip is not doing well. All right. So Brian, let's say 
as you said, you you've working with a broker, you've just signed, you're getting into a new retail, you've got some new distribution that's going to be opening up. Other than packaging, which we did we did kind of talk about for a minute with, with Chetty's, what do you think or what would you do to to drive consumers into trial? What what are your best ideas? Because as you know, so, look, you get in, so what? I, I, and I love I love this question, Tony, because as we've talked before, getting on shelf is is not the hardest part of this business. The hardest part of this business is getting pulled off shelf and put into a basket or a cart. So that is the that is it should be the you know I I tell the sales team to never leave a meeting with a category manager without getting some directional advice from them in regards to opportunities for moving products, activation, um, online, you know, couponing, whatever. Like they'll know as well what their consumers are looking for and how, you know, how we can get awareness through them. So always ask the category manager, you know, do you you have some vehicles that, you know, can generate some awareness for us? You know, so think about like Myers, a perfect example. They have an M-Perks program that's been around for years and it is hugely successful. It's it's one of the better gas programs. So for every time you, you buy one of our products during the month that you're on deal, you're getting 10 cents off a gallon or something. It, and it really does work. They're, those Meyer consumers and customers are trained for that. They see right. that ember. So they're going to be, hey, I typically wouldn't try this cracker, but you know what? I will now because it's, it's on deal and I'm getting 10 cents per gallon. Um, so that's, you know, that's definitely one way I don't like, and, and you know, they're all going to say, well, you need to do an ad in our flyer, and, but, but that's not really activation. There's better programs out there and all retailers have them. Um, one of the things I'd like to talk about though is, so when you think about, this is something we just instituted with Chetty's. So Chetty's the cheese cracker, you know, highly competitive. You got to think, you got Cheez-Its out there. You've got goldfish out there. So it's it's a highly competitive category, really entrenched brands that have been around for obviously hundreds of years. So one of the things that we're doing with Chetty's is we get on shelf, we have what's called a new store kit. And I think you'll I think you'll like this idea, Tommy. So we've got these 0.8 ounce bags. So it's it's not even a it's not even a serving. Um, and they're, they're small little bags. Um, think about the, like the bags you would get on an airline, right? So something like a small sample, we have this box and in this box, what we do is we put 50 of those sample bags, a stack of buy one, get one free coupons, 50 of them on a, on a tear pad, a letter from the head of sales and kind of an introduction of, you know, who we are. Uh, you know, why we belong there um, and then literally direct them to do, they can do several things with those samples. If they have a passive sample by the check stand, absolutely pour them there. If they want to put them in the break room, absolutely. I love there. that idea. Get your, get the store employees trying it. Absolutely. Where do the store employees shop? Exactly. Right? I mean, and oh, by the way, here's BOGO coupons. So, or, it, you know, they, so there's all these different avenues that they can do with the samples. They can give the BOGO coupons to their employees. 
It's on a tear pad so they can put it on the shelf. So it's just one of those things that, that we're trying to do something a little bit different that big food typically doesn't do. Um, and, you know, as a challenger brand, that's, you got to do things that sometimes are a little bit unorthodox, but. Agree. Agree. Cause you've got to be seen on shelf. People have to reach for it and then they got to want to come back and adopt it and yep. put it as part of their new buying habits. What's been your experience with the payoff, the, the payoff with doing in-store demos and sampling? I've heard, I mean, across the board, like when they're in the store, it does really well. But when they leave, you know, sales flatten again. What What's your take? It's it's so hard, Tony, to get a payback when demos are costing 200 bucks a pop. It's just like for you to get that money back, it's – and yeah, everybody goes to Costco and you see them demoing a knife set. Well, you're like, okay, that makes sense, right? Because the knife set's going to be a couple hundred dollars. But it's just – it's hard, especially when you think about the margins that we already are struggling with and the price points, right? You know, the box of Chetties is going to go for, you know, four ninety nine to five ninety nine. I mean, how many boxes do I have to sell to recoup that $200 for demo? The other thing that you can't control is the demo personnel, unless it's an internal team, you know, and we do have some internal teams that are doing events where they're handing out samples and, you know, with coupons. And that's a little bit more controlled um, in one, you know, they know how to talk about Chetties. They know how to speak, you know, about the benefits and attributes of Chetties and all that other stuff. So it makes it a little bit easier. You just, you hate to see, you know, the demo is, it's such an awesome vehicle, Tony, but it's just so cost prohibitive for so many brands. And even if you're like, let's try to get two or three brands on one table. There you well, go. Sudden, the, the problem with that is your attention's divided by three, you know? So it's just, it's really, really tough. I do like the idea of passive sampling though. I think, that's that's where things are starting to go. Explain it's that. The, so, you know, it's uh, the, the the inventors of it was probably produce. Do you remember, like, you go into a grocery store and the produce set, and they've got the pile of grapes, and you can have a grape or something. This is all pre-COVID, mind you. But yeah, <laughs> right. So, like, there's, there, you know, um, the meat department, you know, slices up some ham and puts it out on a tray or something like that. That passive demo is a great, great way to get trial. And it's, it's obviously cheaper because you're not paying for the man hours, but you have to have a brand that can do that. Um, you know, I used to, I, I mean, I was always in the early days, I was always envious of brands like sweet leaf tea that, you know, used to just go out to festivals and hand out bottles of tea and, you know, and that was a great way to get awareness and get people to try it. We're trying to do that with Chetty's got these 0.8 ounce bags. We'll give them to anybody anywhere um, to, to try. Um, we've just go to a grateful we, dead concert and just hand those out to everybody. I'm just afraid the people at the grateful dead concert won't remember. They won't uh, remember. What, what, what was that snack? The, the crackers. We ate some. I want crackers. more. Eight ounces is not enough. <laughs> That's what, Tony, and that's why we give coupons, because the coupon will say where to get it. Uh, All right. So we're, what's your opinion then on brand ambassadors? 
So I like brand ambassadors because I do think the brand ambassador role, and it, there's different variations of it, of course, right? The lines kind of blur between that and affiliates, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I think the, the, the thing I like about ambassadors, Tony, is it, you know, most ambassadors um, are also kind of, you know, influencers, if you will, right? I mean, that's kind of their role. Right? And they, they come off as a trusted source, right? So anytime you have a trusted source, I mean, so if I tell you, Tony, hey, you need to go see Oppenheimer and you go and see it and you think it's horrible, then next time I recommend a movie to you, you're not going to listen to me. So, you know, the, the whole aspect of these ambassadors, they, they come across as brand advocates, right? And I think they lend credence and, and, and a little bit of, you know, honesty to the brand. Um, and they, they give it a little bit of personality and they do things that you just don't have on a shelf, right? With just the product. So I think ambassadors do the, the good ones and there are good ones. They do an incredible job of getting the product out there. They, they, they're more knowledgeable. You know, most of the groups that I've ever worked with, they have like trainings prior to events and things of that nature where they are actively asking questions. They're actively reading and, and understanding the script. Um, and that's what makes them successful. Um, so that they're not going out just, you know, handing out product left and right, but they're actually out there talking to customers. They're actually out there engaging, which I think is an important word with customers. And then I think that lends itself to, you know, positive reinforcement, hopefully purchase and then continue dialogue post purchase where that person that was just converted, Hey, I met this person. They turn me on to these crackers and, you know, and next thing you know, that one interaction results in multiple people knowing about the product and hopefully purchasing it. Yeah. And then word of mouth, having it spread. <laughs> well, see, it sounds like in that model with that brand ambassador, it sounds like that one is a paid ambassador because they, but there's other, there's programs you can have for brand ambassadors that aren't paid. Right. Which that's so, why I say that kind of trends into that affiliate a little bit because maybe they're getting product. They love to do social media. They've got a little bit of a follower that a following. They could be like a micro influencer and they just find new creative and clever ways to, to sell your product because they love it. And they show, heck they could take those chetties. Like I'm just making this up. They could take it. They could smash them up, get a piece of chicken, right. Yeah. And put a nice base layer on there and put the chetties on there instead of like a, a panko, for Absolutely. example. See, and there you go. No charge, yeah. by the way. Well, right? No, boom. <laughs> Invoice coming. <laughs> right. But that's like, that's what they would do in a very genuine, authentic way. Now, would you see, and this is what I'm fascinated about is I think brands have to figure out a way to creatively pay and attract those type of people. Absolutely. Because once again, and you said the word um, authentic, and I don't know if I said that earlier, but that that is such, I mean, that's what consumers are looking for. Um, consumers have gotten so smart, Tony, you you know this better than I do. They're, they, with all the information at their fingertips, they're reading the backs of, of packaging more than ever. You bet they Their are. Authenticity 
is hugely important to a brand's success. Uh, consumers can sniff out dishonesty. Um, and so I, I love that, you know, there are, I'm trying to think there, God, there was a, a brand ambassador that we used um, on my previous company. And, and like, he was, he was one of those guys that was like, well, like if I'm going to do this and he used a glucometer and it was like, if I'm going to do this, like the results are going to be the results, you know, like, so, right. Like, you don't get mad at me when I publish yeah. this, you know what? Yeah, I think I saw his video. You know what? I think I saw his video. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. I wish I could remember his name, but I remember was, that it was, wasn't he at a show? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I saw this one. He went to the show and he took a reading of his glucose Yep. and then he ate them, waited a while, came back and got the check yep. again. And it was like, look, here's the proof. That's yeah. like, that's gold. It is. Absolutely. It's yep. more than gold. It's platinum. But platinum. <laughs> but no, that, I mean, and that in and of itself, I mean, God, if you could do that in every state with, you know, I mean, it just would be. You phenomenal. need an army of me. Yeah. <laughs> a guy with a mic. I love it. Absolutely. All right. As we begin to wrap up, I want to know what retail or consumer trends are, are you most excited about right now? You know, I think for me, it's this is this is starting to, to become really, really big. And it's um, it's regenerative farming. Right. It's the it's the aspect of, you know, we're we're looking at products that are taking care of the earth. Um, and that's important to people. Um, I don't think, you know, 20 years ago, Tony, you know, when you and I were younger. We don't, you, know, ma oh, you just crossed the line. <laughs> we never mentioned age on this, Brian. Don't make me edit this out. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to actually give a number. I was just going to say. We're both so 35 years old. We just happen to have a little gray in our beards. Yes. Nobody cared back then. You know, everybody was, it was, you know, cheaper, faster, you know, whatever. And now consumers are so, they're, they're so conscious of what is happening in the environment um, that that is one of the trends that I think is, is it's a great trend because of the residual um, effects of it, right? Like, I mean, like if all products had a regenerative aspect to it, then, hey, that just means a healthier, better earth, right? It does. So, I mean, it's less chemicals, the way the, the land is treated. It's a, it's, a fa it's, it's a fascinating topic. And I actually, I'm going to do probably a mini series on that at some point. Um, we're starting to do some research into companies and technology. There's a lot of cool stuff happening in, in ag. Yeah, I, it's just one of those things. I'm like, glad you highlighted that. The the guys, uh, Katie and, and Taylor from Epic, um, the, when they sold Epic, they're doing some bison stuff now. And, you know, if, if you ever talk to those guys, the way the bisons tear up the, the, the earth makes it better for farming. I mean, like, it's, it's exactly. like... Exactly. It's like it, the, it's, the, the natural way. Yes, exactly. Like it's how it would be naturally occurring. A hundred percent. Like, but, you know... Yeah, granted, they they've got fifty buffalo, and those buffaloes are turning the earth for them. Uh, it's it's really cool stuff. Like, well, and you think about that too. 
it, that is limiting the inputs that you're putting into the land. And see, that's the big problem these days right now in ag. All the inputs that go in to creating or growing anything, right? And then you've got the the unfavorables that come yeah. out, right? They don't look pretty enough, right? So then you've got this whole, you know, upcycling movement, which is tying in directly. I've had several um, interesting brands on that are dealing with that. So that's all in that space. Okay. I'm going to ask you a couple rapid fire questions. Oh, okay. As we finish. All right. So are you an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. All right. I would, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Cats or dogs? Oh, dogs. <laughs> I know. I can see the dog in the background. I thought this one is a, this is a gimme. Uh, coffee or tea? Tea. Tea? I wouldn't have pegged you for that. I actually um, have an industrial size restaurant quality tea maker in my <laughs> laundry room. I'm no lie. Not the big five gallon. It's three and a half gallon. Okay. Sweet or unsweet? Unsweet. Oh, Brian. I'm from Texas. I'm not from Atlanta. Come I on, know, man. There tea. is... It's only sweet tea. We, we literally go to places and there is no un, there is no unsweet tea. I know. Like literally they will tell you, it's just like, I want regular tea. And they're like, we don't have regular what tea. What is regular tea? I love it. Um, that's what happens when I go up north and I ask for sweet tea. They, they like, they yeah. point to the sweet and low like this. <laughs> um, wh- tell me a place that you'd love to vacation. Greece. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to, you know, there's some serious history there with, you know, there is on and stuff. And I got a little, I can taste actually of- say I have been there. I have been there. We've traveled. Um, I hope they've cleaned it up. Let me just say it's been, it's been a minute. Um, it's, it is absolutely beautiful. We actually did uh, Mykonos. Yeah. I, I did. I did Italy a couple of years ago. So it kind of turned me on to that whole Mediterranean. Yeah. Area. It's absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. All right. What's the weirdest food combination you secretly love? Oh, the weirdest food combination. God, I'm I'm a pretty standard eater. Um, man. See, I struggled with this one too. And I even asked my wife this one. Cause and, like, Oh, well, I don't know if it's weird anymore, but like I was putting ranch on my pizza when I was a child. So, but, and I think some people think that's weird, but, Ranch it's probably not considered weird now. Yeah. But uh maybe back, you know, back in the day. Like that's not God. a normal, not a normal topic, uh topping. Okay. Final one. Uh a book or TV streaming show that you would recommend. God, that I would well, I mean, I'd I'd say Yellowstone, but everybody in the everybody uh, knows about Yellowstone. Else has watched it. Right. Um, we are in the middle of um, Yellow Jackets, or we're, we're in. Yellow, I haven't heard of this one. It's okay. So everybody read Lord of the Flies when we were in middle school. It's a new adaptation of Lord of the Flies. It's about a female high school soccer team that crashes and um, they, they're not being rescued for a long time. Oh, so they're suffering. Okay. I have seen the trailer for that. Yeah. And they're starting to get to that cannibalistic stage so to speak so it's it's pretty cool if you liked lord of the flies and i thought that premise of that book was was great like 
you know, how human nature can change yes. you know, environment and circumstances. This is the exact same thing, but it's a bunch of high school uh, girls that are, you know, thrust into a horrible, tragic situation. Yes, exactly. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm not sure how to segue from that to tell people the best way to check out Redbud brands and some of the uh, products you guys are currently working with if they want to get out and sample them. So the, the you know, Redbud brands is, um, is, is a great company with lots of different portfolio companies. The best way is obviously just to go to redbudbrands.com. Um, and we've got some, you know, the products that, that are stand out right now is we've got a, it's a brand called Medicine Mama, and it really has revolutionized uh, feminine healthcare. Um, and it really, it takes, it takes the products of the past and brings them to the future um, with women in mind. So these aren't products made from some, you know, huge fortune 100 company that it's all about, hey, it's, we just got to get a product out there. This is designed, uh, created by females for females. Um, we also have another brand that is um, really, really should be cool when it comes out. It's all D2C at this point. It's called Wellcore. And, and it's, it's, it's about hormone optimization for both men and, and, and females. And the biggest problem that, that we see is you know, the, the testing and, and, uh, and, you know, having to go to labs and all that stuff, it's at home, Tony. Uh, everything's at home, virtual doctors, uh, you name it. It's an incredible idea um, that's just coming to light right now. They've got some good B2C sales, but, you know, you and, and they you have doctor visits every three months uh, via tele, and, you, and they sell the, they ship you the, the shots and you're done. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, some really, really cool stuff that, you know, I, I'm giving you a couple of the brands that I think are revolutionary um, in, in scope and as well as product. Yeah. And there's others that they can go and explore, but basically redbudbrands.com. Yep. That's it. Brian. Awesome. It's so good to see you again. I appreciate you, you dropping the knowledge on us as always. I appreciate it, Tony. Anytime.